All right, everyone, welcome to the Industrial Marketer Podcast, the podcast for industrial marketers by industrial marketers in the manufacturing space. And I am one of your hosts, Matthew Shanella. And I'm MJ Peters. And our guest today is Jay Call, to some, might be better known to others as the manufacturing millennial. His roles in distribution sales and business development with solution providers have allowed him to gain a vast knowledge of different manufacturing processes and the type of solutions that bring companies into the Industry 4.0 revolution. This year, when the mandated industry shutdown in Michigan happened in early March, Jake sought new ways to engage his current customers and continue to share the benefits of automation to others while working from home. He turned to LinkedIn as a platform to grow his personal brand, The Manufacturing Millennial, by creating and sharing content around manufacturing and automation. In a short seven months, his content has reached over 1.5 million views, and he's grown his connections to soon to be over 10,000 followers. Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, MJ and Matt, thanks for letting me be here. For sure. Um, Tell us a little bit about your career journey, actually. I'm interested in how you started in your career and how you kind of got to this point of being the manufacturing millennial. Kind of kind of walk us through that whole that whole life cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say my passion for, you know, automation and robotics has started when I was in, you know, middle school, going to high school, I was involved with uh, the US first robotics program and VEX. And from there, I went into uh, college where I got a manufacturing engineering degree from Grand Valley State University. And um, with that degree, they did mandatory co-ops where I learned a lot about the manufacturing space, robotics, automation, PLCs uh, through my co-op provider. And I left there and my first job was in automation sales. I worked for a automation distributor that sold a wide variety of automation products. Um, from vision systems, PLCs, uh, collaborative robots, AGVs, the, the, the whole scape of what solutions are in, in the industry. Um, and then re- most recently, I joined uh, a team at Fine Zelstra as a business development manager for them. And one of the groups within that company is their industrial tech group. So we work with machine builders and end users to really bring them up to speed in terms of industry 4.0, IoT, and just be a all-around solution provider them in the uh, the electrical space. So, I mean, the elephant in the room here is obviously the 1.5 million views you've been able to accumulate in just seven months on LinkedIn. And I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I've been in a conversation. I had one like an hour ago where somebody was like, social media just isn't for B2B and social media isn't for manufacturing. So I'm curious, what originally inspired you to say, hey, I'm going to give this LinkedIn thing a go and try to build a brand here? Yeah, great question. So I think it goes back to Last year, I was at a event of AHTD, the Association of High Technology Technology Distribution, and I was sitting in a group of probably 150 high-level owners and managers in the distribution market. And I look across that room, and I am probably one of maybe three or four people under the age of 40 sitting in that room. And as I look in this room, I say, wow, there is this massive gap 
between younger generations of, I would say, millennials in the manufacturing industry and, you know, an older generation that's moving out of it. And I thought to myself, how can this younger generation be impactful to future companies in the future, future manufacturing space? So then that's where the name, the manufacturing millennial came about. Cause they said, what can I do to, you know, make manufacturing, I don't want to necessarily say exciting again, because it's always been exciting, but on the front of people's minds as a future career path to be in automation and manufacturing. So I took resources that I has as I'm a tech, uh, excuse me, tech savvy millennial who loves social media, who loves videos, who understands that being a person who can share content in an authentic way creates engagement. And so that's why I turned to LinkedIn. I said, I want to create videos and content that's engaging to all ages, not just the current, you know, older generation that's in the manufacturing space as something to share why manufacturing is awesome. And as you've started to share these videos, who are your followers and who are the types of people that are engaging with your content? Great. Um, so I would say it, it's such a diverse when I look at the people who are, you know, sending me connection requests on a daily basis, there is a base of engineers and designers and people in manufacturing and maintenance people, but there's also business owners. I mean, there's weekly CEOs and executives are connecting with me because they understand, wow, this is really cool and what's happening in manufacturing. So there there really isn't a market. It's it's older, it's younger, it's people from all over the world in different types of manufacturing spaces. It's not strictly automotive or you know medical or food. It's it's a diversity because the content just reaches so many different types of people because it's not specific to one thing. Yeah, I was just going to say like your content itself is super diverse as well. I mean, God, you've had so many interesting videos that you've kind of shown. And I think what's super cool about the content that you show is first off, um, you show the whole process most of the time from front to back and kind of how that, how basically all the sausage gets made. And you probably had a video on how sausage gets made and I didn't even see it yet. <laughs> but I, I gotta, I gotta ask you like, um, how are you sourcing all of these videos? Cause like you have so many different types of videos that you're getting. And every time I see your video, like you had one, um, you had one on how condoms got made. And I was like, yes. how are you, how is he getting this stuff? Who's giving you this footage? And then how are you packaging it together? I, I have to know. Um, and, and if it's a, if it's a trade secret, you know, you can say that too, but how, where are you getting this content from? And then like, tell me about your process of just packaging it. Yeah. I mean, so there's a couple of questions there. We'll go with where, where I get it from first. And I think it's a variety of sources, you know, some of it comes from me finding videos on YouTube. You know, the as a kid, I love to watch how it's made. It was such a fun, you know, video to see all these different processes on, you know, how crayons are made or how jellos made. Um, so some of them are, are, are from YouTube, finding sources on YouTube or other media channels. But you know, I would say more and more, um, individuals on LinkedIn are reaching out to me saying, hey, I ran across this really cool video or my company's doing something really specific or, or really, you know, cool in the manufacturing space. Do you want to share this? And I will. You know, the one thing I'll say is, listen, I'm not going to go out there and I'm not going to advertise 
your company as a solution because that's not what I'm doing. But if you have a really cool manufacturing process, uh, I want to share it. And you know, that, that, uh, kind of manufacturing video was one that a user sent to me and said, Hey, this is unique. Not a lot of people, um, probably know what this process looks like, but, um, people are probably really familiar with the product. So share it. And, uh, a lot of people enjoyed that video. I think it's so hilarious isn't quite the word, but ironic, I guess, because I'm sure all these companies have, I mean, you, like you said, you're getting this content already from companies. And I just think this really speaks to the power of distribution, which is something that MJ and I talk a lot about in terms of content, because all these companies have made this content already and they probably sit it on their YouTube channel and just let it collect dust. And all you're doing is just, uh, not all you're doing, you're doing a ton of amazing stuff. Uh, but you're repackaging it, putting it, putting a face on it, like a brand around it as the manufacturer millennial and simply just redistributing it in kind of a repackaged format um, and giving people an entirely new vantage point on that content. And I think that speaks to so much for marketers in the industrial space out there whose companies have made a lot of content historically and it's just sitting there and collecting dust. Like, go find that stuff and figure out a creative way to repackage it and get it in front of your audience um, not under the veil of your company flagship, but maybe just doing some personal you know, distribution on LinkedIn with your own personal profile, which I think is exactly what you're doing. And I just, I just needed to say in the larger point, like I just think that's incredibly unique and special in what you're doing. And I also think it's really cool that you do that as a business development, business, business development manager, because you don't even really work in marketing you're doing it. And I think that speaks to another theme that I've seen, which is like, Salespeople are getting much better at marketing. The marketers are getting better at sales. Uh, <laughs> in my opinion, case in point in, in, in what you're doing, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about the kind of response you're getting on LinkedIn from it. I know you said people are connecting with you, but what are the kind of messages and comments you're getting about like ways that we could use this or, um, or hey, I have this content. Like, give, give me a sense of the kind of response you're getting from the audience as you, as you, are, as you are sending this stuff out. Yeah. So I'll jump back to a, a, a quick comment you made earlier, just about a lot of companies already have content that's out there. And I, I think a great example was, is there was a machine builder that had a, a video and I think I, it's been on, you know, LinkedIn for other YouTube page for well over a year and a half, two years. And maybe it had 150, 200 views. I took that video kind of chopped it up a little bit and, you know, through my face on it, my logo on it, explain what the process was. And 24 hours, I was at about 25,000 views. Um, so there's a couple of things with that, you know, as people are listening to this podcast, I want to share is understand that the people who are viewing this content right now, you're competing with their phone, their family and everything. So when you create content that you want to be engaging, understand that you need to be respectful of those people's time. So a lot of times when I make these videos that go viral, where I'll get 70, 80,000 views and, um, you know, a two or three day period of time, these videos are less than a minute long. And that's because they're quick, they're attractive, and they have a catchy title that gets people wanting to check out that process. If, if you see, and I see this too many times, if you have your company like logo and like intro video, that's like seven seconds long before you even start showing content, you already lost that user. 
Um, so that's just something I, I wanted to keep in mind and, and share with, with the audience is how important that is to the first three to five seconds of, especially when people are scrolling through LinkedIn, you need to you know engage them right away. And for me, that's been, I would say more than anything, is my cartoon with my blue Cubs hat, because people will recognize that as a very consistent similarity with manufacturing videos. And I, I would say that's a big success for that. But Matt, going back to your, your question you had about um, uh, just the content and uh, correct, uh, understanding your, that your last question was... Um, with, what kind of comments are you getting from people? Like, yeah, what are people yeah. telling you either privately that people can't see publicly about like, hey, um, how could I use this? How, how can I do this in my own company? Or like, just just give me a sense of the kind of written feedback you're getting from people, positive or negative. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say it's 99% co- uh, positive because th- really everyone on LinkedIn is out there to be, you know, to grow professionally. Um, so I would say almost all of the, you know, the direct messages I get are all positive. Um, you know, I have companies reaching out to me saying, Hey, what did you do that made And I always like how they phrase stuff like you made manufacturing exciting again. And, you know, I, I go back and say, no, manufacturing's always been exciting. It's just we haven't been able to, you know, share that and broadcast that in a way that attracts everyone else to the industry. And, you know, so when I when companies go out and they say, hey, what can we do? I say, you know, find something that is authentic to what your company does. You know, don't go out there and try and be someone else. But if you're out there and you're you're a company that's providing the solution, what can you do to share that problem with your audience without immediately saying you should buy this product, you should buy this, you should work with us. You know, tell a story within the video and you know, let me or let your audience come to the conclusion on your own on why they should work with you because you are the expert in the area. And, you know, for me as well with, with my brand and what I'm doing, you know, I'm not out there pushing, Hey, work with company, you know, my company finds Zelstra. That's not my goal. My goal is for you to understand that, Hey, I am super passionate about the manufacturing industry. I'm super passionate about industry 4.0. I'm super passionate about IOT and robotics. Now you'll see through my passion, I could be a solution to you. Um, and I think more companies need to take that approach, especially in the manufacturing world. I feel like so many other companies outside of manufacturing, especially in the consumer world, have already done that. Like, for example, if you watch a Nike commercial, how many times are they actually advertising shoes and, and, and sportswear in their commercials? Hardly ever. They're talking about stuff that relates to them, and then they slap their company logo on the end of it because that person felt a emotion that's similar to what Nike's trying to express. And I think we need to do that in the manufacturing world as well. Maybe not necessarily through making you feel good with a product, but um, a solution that we can solve that you're facing in your industry. Uh, I repeat, everyone, this guy works in sales and listen to him talk about content and attracting your buyer and getting your audience to pay attention to you. Please. This guy works in sales. Marketers, we have to do better. We have to do better. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, I'm going to tell you a true story, which is when Matt said we're going to interview this guy named Jake Hall, I was like, cool, I don't know who that is. And then he 
sent me, I think, some information about it. And then you sent me the picture um, of the you in the blue Cubs hat. And I was like, oh, I totally know who this guy is, right? He's the manufacturing millennial. I know who the manufacturing millennial is. And, and I think that's just kind of a testament to your brand on LinkedIn. And I'm curious, like at the beginning of all of this, presumably seven-ish months ago, you were, no offense, just Jay Call. You were not yet Absolutely. the manufacturing millennial. So how did you like develop your personal brand over the last seven months? And did you ever face imposter syndrome in the process of, of building up to what you have today? Yeah. I mean, to go off, great, great question. I think, MJ, you know, at the end of the day, who do people buy from? They don't buy from companies. They buy from people. And when you go out there and you create a, you know, a, either a personal brand or a company brand, it's about being um, being authentic. And I used that word before in this conversation. But, you know, when I went out there and I set out to to build this brand, um, no, I wouldn't say there was a necessary imposter syndrome because at the end of my day, my day is not to go out there and compete with anyone else. My day is, listen, if, if I can go out there and there's, and there is another individual who can rise to the industry and talking about why we need to be investing more in skilled trades, why we need to be investing in more engineering and all that stuff, then the solution has been solved. And and that's my goal. You know, it's it's the same goal as you know. I think the the Elon Musk philosophy of getting to space. He doesn't care who gets to space. It's just we need to get to space. He doesn't care if Tesla is the largest manufacturer of electric cars. It's just the fact that um, we need more clean, renewable resources and energy to you know change the way we work our lives. The same thing with manufacturing. So if there's a person out there who can be that person. Um, awesome. Let's let me, I'll do whatever I can to support them to make that happen. Yeah. I think that speaks to, if you're going out to develop a personal brand, make sure to do it around something you're passionate about, right? Cause if you're passionate about it, that will come through and you're never going to have to face imposter syndrome because it's the authentic you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're also never going to lose energy forever, right? Like it's just one of those fires that never burn out. And it seems like, like, cause you started from such an early point, point of your life in this kind of space. So you've kind of grown up in it, like basically, right? So it's something that you have an incredibly intimate knowledge about. You are clearly a subject matter expert in it to hear you talk about it. So obviously right now you make branded videos uh, currently and you're distributing that out. But when people kind of peel the onion a little bit to see, you know, how much do you know about this? Like you speak with a ton of authority about it like on the back end when people want to see you know, just how much does this guy know? And so I think that really speaks to just sort of the, the holistic approach that you have to it. And the fact that you're, it's almost mission, it's mission driven is kind of more so what you're doing. Um, now I think that, I think that speaks to the quality of your content and your purpose, which I think is awesome. Yeah, yeah abs- abs- absolutely. absolutely. I think the big thing is um, when at the end of the day, if People can engage and enjoy my content and they've wanted to learn more. Let's have a much deeper discussion. You know, we can go down a rabbit hole really quickly about SCADA systems and how to improve them or MES or IoT or condition monitoring or OEE. I mean, we could have all these in-depth conversations about manufacturing processes, but I realized, you know, going back to my content, 
if if I make a video specifically talking about SCADA systems or PLC migration um, and why you need to update, you know, your Siemens or your Rockwell PLC to the latest brand and the benefits of that, my my market is going to shrink really quickly. But um, you know, if I can go out there and create these super exciting um, topics and conversations and videos, my reach and my audience becomes a lot larger. And then the people I need to talk with will come with that. And then we can have those in-depth conversations. Sure. So I wanted to, to ask you, I mean, you're doing this for the bigger reason of getting people excited into manufacturing, into you know high-tech manufacturing, the smart factory. Um, you've worked in this space for a while. What do you think is holding people back from getting excited about it? Do you simply think it's exposure? Do you think it's misconception? Um, do you think it is um, other factors like maybe it's maybe it's something like pay or there's not enough pr- pursuance of diversity in the trades? Like, what do you kind of see in your experience being some of kind of the, the, the crux of that issue? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think there's one necessary problem that's holding it back. It's it's a multiple of reasons. Um, one is, I think, just the the advancements of of going to a new process can always be intimidating you know getting people to convinced to move from the current way they're doing things and explaining to them why where they currently are does not work and they need to move to industry 4.0 they need to move to an iot based system um it's just getting them comfortable. I think there's also out there is for some companies, it's not the right time. And that's one thing I want to say as well is, you know, to your listeners, your company might not be at a point right now to be investing in resources, you know, that are industry 4.0. It is not for everyone and it needs to be um, something that your company develops and decides, you know, build a automation roadmap, build a scope of, of, um, you know, your, your future goals within your company and then decide that way. And then, you know, I I think more and more people are also becoming resources to guide companies in, in that way. And I think it's just going to come, you know, in time when, uh, more companies are starting to adapt to advanced manufacturing, um, they'll get more comfortable with it and they'll start to adapt. Now, the one thing that I want to say with that is at the same time, you can't wait. So it's it's tough, right? You don't want to invest a bunch of money in right away and not get your return on it, but also you can't stay stagnant. Um, I was actually having another conversation today with a fellow person um, on LinkedIn, and here's a question for you, Matt. Do you know who the largest installer of industrial robots in the world are? Um, like six-axis robots? Yeah, yeah, just industrial robots. I believe it's Fanuc or Fanuc. Oh, sorry, uh, Country. Uh, do you know what country is the largest integrator of industrial robots? What country is the largest integrator? Ooh, um, I still want to say it's the U.S. I I I would like I I would want to say China, but I feel like the fact that you're asking this question means that the answer is surprising. It, it is actually China. That's that's one hundred percent last night correct. So last um, last year. China integrated 140,000 robots. Second place behind them was Japan with 50,000. So it takes Japan, United States, Korea, and Germany, all of them combined to equal 
the amount of robots installed in those countries to compete with how many robots China installed last year. So when you look at companies, you know, moving to industry 4.0, moving to advanced manufacturing, um, you know, China's doing it at a rapid pace. China is no longer um, the cheap labor that that's out there. So, you know, when I look at companies and say, listen, you can be competitive again because the ideology of cheap labor um, being overseas isn't there anymore. You can create manufacturing here in the United States um, or in other countries just and be just as competitive as overseas by, you know, taking industry 4.0. Boy, that is, I actually, I know MJ have a question, but I actually think that's a super accurate take that a lot of companies are, are late to realize. Yeah. Um. That's a, it's interesting too, uh, the point about China being so far ahead in industrial manufacturing. We actually sell a lot of product to the renewable energy uh, market and China's way ahead on things like renewable energy, wind power, they're just forging ahead. So um, I don't know. That's an interesting takeaway about China. Um, my question is kind of kind of anchoring it back to the industrial marketing audience. Have you observed either directly or indirectly an impact on your day job from what you're doing with your personal brand as the manufacturing millennial? Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting, right? Because I switched jobs during... Uh, I transitioned jobs as the manufacturing millennial was happening. So I think it's very exciting right now. Um, There's so many doors that have opened up with my current job because of LinkedIn and being active on there for going in and helping companies um, talk about industry 4.0. I mean, this past two weeks, I've talked to five different companies about how they can use robots and how they can upgrade their PLCs and add SCADA systems to their manufacturing floor um, to be event. So, you know, LinkedIn as a resource and MJ, sorry if I miss, if I'm not completely answering your question, but LinkedIn as a resource and me using the manufacturing millennial as a way to reach new customers um, has worked amazingly. Uh, just, you know, because my name's out there and they know I'm in this space and they and they start up a conversation that's not even directly related to, um, you know, a solution that we could offer to them, but they just want to have a conversation and just a, a relationship is yeah, built that way. And then we, we eventually get to the conversation of how I can um, support them in a question that they have. This goes so much back to a lot of points that we've made historically on the show. And we can go all the way back to Chris Walker, MJ, about, you know, posting content without any expectation of getting a lead or any expectation of making a sale. And it's kind of amazing how that works when you simply post content for the sake of posting informative, valuable content to your audience, how sales kind of just happens to you because people pay attention to you because you have no agenda, but you build curiosity in your persona or in your brand in your case, Jake, and sales opportunities just end up coming to you magically, except it's not magic. It's actually um, very much kind of how the human brain works. So absolutely. And you know, it's great because with that though, and call this create this content, there's been so many great conversations that have come up, especially from me. I have a lot of instructors at like local community colleges that have reached out to me. It's like, Oh, can you send me all of your videos and your content? I want to share this to my students. You know, that honestly makes me more excited about that a potential thing because listen, I can help a company, you know, grow an industry 4.0, but the fact that I can impact, you know, 25 
younger future engineers or people in skilled trades, that's what's exciting. You know, the fact that all of a sudden here's these kids who are getting, you know, a growth for passion on manufacturing that wasn't there before because of a video I posted. And I, I think that just has so much more of a, an impact in the long run. Yeah, that brings me to my next question, which is, you know, you're clearly killing it on LinkedIn. Like your your um, awareness growth is like exponential. People are watching your videos, engaging in it, but you're just one person in one channel. Um, not to not to take anything away from like the incredible stuff that you're doing. What do you think it's going to take to get more people interested in manufacturing and millennials or Gen Z for that matter, because they're very much entering the workforce themselves? What's it going to take to get these people more interested in the industrial sector as a career path. Yeah, so I think it's it's up to that company's responsibility to make that job exciting to them. You know, if you were on a manufacturing floor and let's say, you know, company ABC is manufacturing a a stamped out part that's in a dirty environment for the automotive industry, no one's going to want to, you know, be in a super dirty, foggy grit-filled environment 40, 50 hours a week. However, if that company is automating those processes and you say, hey, come and work with these robots, come and work with these AGVs, watch this machine run with this vision inspection system, and I want you to you know, help drive this solution, that makes that work environment so much more exciting to younger people. You know, people don't want to, when you're competing with, you know, the industries of like computer science or accounting, where they could just sit at their home, um, you know, behind a computer eight hours a day and program something. How do you convince them to say, hey, you know, stand on a manufacturing floor that's, you know, 95 degrees in, you know, in the middle of summer to do this? It, you, you can't. You can't compete with that. So you need to make your manufacturing processes and your workspace more exciting and engaging um, to newer generations. Because let's face it, there are more companies out there who are developing solutions where, you know, as everyone, we're, we're becoming more innovative with what we have. If you were to look at, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all of these, you know, internet-based companies where they were 10, 15 years ago, they weren't there. Yet now they're giant, you know, hiring corporations are bringing in all these millennials and Gen Z people. How does manufacturing compete with that? And I think part of that is, is making your processes and your manufacturing environment attractive to new generations by making it automated. Yeah, I, I think it's also, MJ, I see you have a question. I'll just make this quick point. I, I think it's just also showcasing your your company also. Like I, I remember going to, um, you're in Grand Rapids. Um, I, I remember going to ABB Robotics in Auburn Hills and they have a beautiful facility there um, with like their robots are just sitting there. They're doing all kinds of cool testing and R&D there. The factory, their little, their little factory floor is incredibly clean. Um, it's, it's really cool how they do stuff. And, you know, if I'm an industrial company and I'm making stuff like that, they had like an interactive thing called robot studio as well, which is sort of like a, like virtual reality in terms of like programming your robot. Like I would be showcasing the heck out of that, the hell out of that, frankly, to try to, um, you know, entice people to get excited about my company and the stuff that I'm doing. I think companies miss the boat when it comes to showcasing their company, uh, and how it works and just how, how, how cool it can be to work there. 
Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't want to, on a joystick, be able to move around, you know, a 500-pound a robot to pick up half a car? I mean, that that right there is just super exciting. So, you know, that automation is just what makes this industry super attractive to the future generations. Yeah, Matt, kind of picking up on the point you were making, I was going to say something similar, which is I think manufacturing has a really compelling story to tell about the impact that your company's making on the world too. Like I, I hate to use this as an example, but I actually think my employer, the parent company, Halma, actually does a really good job of this. Their, their stated vision is to create a safer, cleaner, healthier future for everyone every day. And that's a legitimate claim when you are manufacturing environmental health and safety technologies for people all over the world. And I think a lot of manufacturing companies make a similar impact because they are the ones that actually bring these products that make us safer or more productive or, you know, economically and financially stable into the world. So I think uh, manufacturing companies could do a better job of telling that story. Jake, if if somebody is inspired by your videos or by something else they saw somewhere else, how do you think a, a millennial or somebody from Gen Z could make themselves an attractive hire for an up-and-coming manufacturing company doing exciting things? Ooh, what a great question. Great question. So I think... You know, it, it's an age group that might not be listening to this podcast, but the parents might be. Um, you know, have your kid, you know, join a join science Olympiad or first robotics. I think making your getting involved with those programs is such an amazing experience. Um, and and I would say start at that level of getting involved. If you have you know a a high school that has that program, that's a great start. I can't think of you know, one large automation machine builder end user that does not know like what first robotics is, for example. Um, so being a part of those organizations, I think is a great way for you to get noticed to say, listen, I have some experience in electrics and, and pneumatics and designing and programming. Um, that's a great place to start. But I think another one that's out there is, you know, there's so many resources online now where you can learn how to code, you can learn how to design something. Um, I forgot what software, what CAD software is out there, but there's a full-fledged CAD software you can download and use for free as long as you're not making like over $100,000 a year profit on it, um, where you can learn for free. Those type of things is, you know, take a, um, a step forward on your own and own the opportunity for you to learn something in the engineering field. And that's really going to be a, noticed by, you know, possible future employers. The other thing I would, I would say, say is, is um, get on LinkedIn, create a profile, and engage with these manufacturers because they notice it. They notice, you know, don't be to the point where you're like stalking, you know, Fanic's LinkedIn page. But when you're out there sharing stuff or you send such and such a message saying, hey, I really enjoyed your post on that manufacturing video that you said, that's going to get you noticed and that's going to get you a, you know, a possible future job interview. Really nice. I, I want to bring it real back, back real quick, just because of something that um, MJ brought up about Halma's mission. Um, for companies and marketers who are listening to this podcast, um, and maybe you're more of a mid-market or, or, or smaller manufacturing company, think long and hard about your positioning and your kind of mission statement as a company as something that is aspirational that people can identify with and get behind. And that's going to be how 
you as a smaller company who's maybe doing cool stuff can similarly attract this kind of talent to your organization and, and get them excited about being part of your guys' journey. Um, Jacob, I want to I wanna just give people the chance. Um, you can plug what you're doing, obviously, and I want to just um, give you a chance to let people know how they can get in touch with you if they have any questions for you, or frankly, just want to pick your brain, uh, whether on the company level or personal level, on how they can you know, just build up their profile, um, get more exposure, uh, attract more talent, um, you know, just any of that. Just, just go, just, just is going to be, you know, 30 seconds for you. Just kind of plug that. Yeah. I think it's super simple. Um, reach out to me on LinkedIn, search Jake Hall, uh, search the manufacturer millennial. I'll probably be the easiest profile to find. It's a cartoon of me wearing a blue Cubs hat. Uh, connect with me, send me a message and let's just have a conversation. Tell me about what you're doing that's super exciting in the automation and manufacturing world or why you want to get into the space. And uh, let's see how we can help each other out. Awesome. That is Jake Hall, um, also known as the Manufacturing Millennial. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me say one more time, this is a sales guy killing it on LinkedIn better than any marketer in the industrial space is. So everyone take note from Jake. Jake, thanks so much for coming on to the show. appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can catch the Industrial Marketer Podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please subscribe to the Industrial Marketer Podcast. Please leave us a five-star review. Please leave a written review. Um, and if you want to get in touch with MJ or myself, you can hit either of us up on LinkedIn. Our direct messages are always open. If you'd like to be a guest on the Industrial Marketer Podcast because you're doing something cool like Jake Hall is, please reach out to us. Please let us know. Please give us a topic that you think would be worth discussing. We would be happy to have you on the show, and we look forward to hearing from you. And with that, I am Matt. And I'm MJ. And this is the Industrial Marketer Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great